What is good, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast that doesn't have a name yet, because out of all of the feedback that you guys gave me last week, it was that the name isn't working for any of you. So that's fine. We're workshopping it. We're working on it. Um, we will definitely have a name at some point, but you know, I'm running through ideas. I don't really know where to take it. Otherwise, a lot of you reached out to me to let me know um you know you are supporting me listening in and had a lot of feedback i appreciate that so much um i'm gonna be uh fixing the audio issues that a lot of you were uh experiencing in the last episode can't promise that they'll all be fixed for this one but i will definitely have it done thank you all so much for listening in i really, really did not think any of you would be interested in this shit so appreciate the love always and uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the guest for episode two. Uh, and we're going to stay away from last names. But if you know me, you know, you're going to know who this is. Um, he is he is a longtime friend. I mean, I want to kind of say like elementary school. Correct me if I'm wrong. But we have Nick from L.A. living the L.A. musician lifestyle. Go ahead, bro. Talk to Vishal, how's it going, man? It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, man. It's been, well, first of all, it's been way too long since we've we've seen each other. I mean, I want to say it's over like two years now, right? It's, I think, yeah, definitely. I think I saw you the last time uh, we both happened to be in Q's. Uh Let's kind of talk about how uh, we met. So I'll let you, I'll let you go first and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of chime in when necessary. But yeah, how we met, how we got to know each other and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I think it was, uh, probably middle school <laughs> middle school band um i played trumpet you you play saxophone if the people don't already know you're a, a very talented alto saxophonist um and we were both up towards some of the top players so we would get to play a lot of stuff together the, the main place where you and i played together is in in band in high school and in jazz band in high school That's and nice. You know, that might sound like not so interesting to many people, but for us, it was very intense. Uh, yeah, I think the best way to describe it so that people understand is we lived Whiplash the movie high school version. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I tell, I, I tell people. Yeah. Um, we had a very intense uh, band director yeah. and navigating the, that was a challenge for me. Yeah, I think that... I think that, you know, what what I learned from that was it, it kind of put this pressure on me, which in a way was unfair because, I, I, you know, from the second that I, I got in, I still remember the first day I was so excited. They ninth graders hadn't gotten into the band in a long time and me and two other players had made it. Yeah. So we went and I I. I grabbed an extra stand because I was the only one who was we were the only people who were sharing a stand. And he stopped rehearsal. And just like put me in my place. He was like, if I wanted a stand for you, like I would have put it there myself. <laughs> Sit back down. And I was like, uh, oh, oh my God, I'm just like sh- super like timid ninth grade kid, super <laughs> dorky. And that was the beginning of kind of the ringer for me. I, I'd never gone through anything as tough of an experience over that long of a time as I did going through that band experience. 
Right, right. Um, just to backtrack a bit, um, give people a little bit more context. So like like Nick said, um, we we started playing with each other and our other, I would say the kind of like three of us. Um, so you, me, and our, our tall trumpet playing friend um, were ha- had essentially played with each other since seventh grade on. Uh, we made most competitive groups. We played within the school. Like everything that was music related, we kind of did with each other. Um, so getting into high school, uh, we were the first freshman in the highest ranked jazz band in a long time. Like he had not pulled up freshman to the jazz band in forever. Um, I think the last time he did it was four years prior when, um, like when people we knew essentially just by name and like a couple of older brothers of our friends had been in the band. I think that was the last time that he did something like that. And so it was kind of like a big deal. Um, And uh, we, over four years, like we kind of, we kind of owned that. Like we started to do really well at competition. I mean, to the point of uh, we were walking into competitions and, and being like, okay, whatever hardware is here, we're going to clean house and move on. Uh, so if that's section awards or individual awards, overall medals for the band, like we're taking it all. We're going to the next competition. We're going to do the same thing. And it kind of just became, it just kind of became a team. Like <laughs> you, you think about the pressure that those guys playing football at like whatever the, the high school equivalent of like Clemson or Alabama is. Right, right. You know, we felt that pressure wherever we were going. Yeah. And whether it was, you know, I know we were all in the, the jazz band or uh, we also were in the, the orchestra together um, mm-hmm. or the, the concert band, I, I should say, symphonic band. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one I also got into as a ninth grader. And then you joined us in, in 10th grade. Tenth grade. Yeah. Um, it was it was just an it wasn't even a pressure so much as it was just an expectation. Like this is right. how things go. Yeah, we we didn't really have a. There was no set. Um, there was there was no one told us this is how it worked, and there was no guide for us to follow. Because one, freshmen had never freshmen hadn't been section leaders since God knows when. Like it hadn't happened. There was no one for us to ask advice to, and I mean, yeah, we just we just kind of had to figure it out. And uh, but what? but with that being said, like uh, the, this particular band director that kind of was in charge of us he had expectations for us like well for me much. what else what i'll say is that there was there were a lot of seniors when i was a freshman so i had the and the trumpet section so i had the ability to sit behind some talented guys and they kind of showed me the ropes both in terms of like playing but also in terms of navigating the situation and what was going to be expected of me so we go into 10th grade all those guys graduated and that was when, you know, I, I took over as the lead chair in the jazz and the concert band. And that was when things started to, to change and get a little tougher. Yeah. I remember going into rehearsals and it was just, it was pressure. I was, I felt as if no matter, no matter what happened, if someone did something wrong, it was going to be my fault. And I was going to have to answer for it because I would get yelled at for literally everything. I remember one time, you know, if I messed up, stop rehearsal, yell at me, I'd have to do it. And I, I believe the reason that they did that was 
because he knew that I would be able to fix it right away and provide an example. But there were definitely some other times that were, that were looking back that were absolutely insane. Uh, right. <laughs> that we can, we can get into maybe some of my top moments of, of crazy band time, but yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was, it was intense. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I guess the general consensus here is like, we, we had a pretty intense band experience. Like band camp wasn't a joke for us. Band camp was, it was hard. Um, and I mean, uh, I'm sure you'll agree with this, but it, we loved it. Like it was, it was the, for, for any of you guys listening that are, you know, were varsity athletes that had that kind of bond with your teams and you guys, you know, killed it and you were, you were competing at sectionals and states and all that kind of stuff. Like this was the same for us. Like this was as close to competitive band as you could get. And we were competing and we were winning and we were doing well. And it created a really, really awesome environment for four years. Um, and I mean, I know for a fact that when Nick and I first met, we did not get along. But I will tell you right now, no, <laughs> no we didn't. We not. We didn't get along at all. We. Not at all. It was. It was put, not getting along. Is putting it mildly, <laughs> to be honest. But I can tell you right now, after four years, and then even going to college and kind of reminiscing and looking back on this, he's one of my closest friends to this day. Um, the same kind of relationships that I have kind of highlighted with some of my other close friends. Um, before that, you know, we kind of pick up exactly where we left off, regardless of how much time or, you know, physical distances between us and always very thankful for that. Absolutely. And same here. Yeah. I did not like you. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's because we, we were competitive. We were constantly trying to be better. Right. And that's kind of a special rivalry to be able to share with someone in a way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. To have someone to constantly be able to push you and looking back, that and just you know being however long it is later almost almost 10 years yeah, uh more those are more, those are probably. special when it's someone that you can end up respecting too you know and, and yeah liking. yeah it's it's a really really you really like unique relationship because um i think I, I don't i don't i don't know that i have a distinct memory but i think like closer to like senior year when it was really hitting me like you know this is the last time I'm ever going to do this. Cause you know, I had hoped that I'd go to UB and keep playing and stuff. But I think in the back of my mind, I was like, if I go down this route of medicine, it's probably not going to happen. Like I'm, I'm going to put down the horn one day and it's going to stay down for a while. And so I had this realization, like, I'm not going to play like this anymore. There's no way. And I'm never playing with these guys again. And so that realization coupled with being like, wow, here's this guy that I've like pretty much grown up alongside and we didn't like each other for so long, but like we meshed so well when we're playing together. And um, yeah, it was a big, it was a big moment. I think when, when that kind of like did hit. Oh yeah, absolutely. And for me, it, you know, I, it had been so intense. It had been so balls to the wall. You got to practice all the time. You got to make all County. You got to make all state. You right. got to, you know, be absolutely at your best for every single concert that we have and every single rehearsal that we have. Uh, I had to, I also had to lighten up, you know, and that's a life lesson too. Sometimes you just got to lighten up. <laughs> so definitely. I definitely want to go back to, to what you said about the environment being right. an awesome environment. And for me, I think that looking at it today is very different than what it felt like while I was going through it. 
Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Actually. While I was going through it, that was really tough. I almost quit Van quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you can back me up if, if you, th- or you can tell me if you think I'm wrong or not, but I felt that I got yelled at both a lot more than anyone else. And also like way meaner than anybody else. Most definitely. And that like, was really tough. I had never, yeah. I'd never dealt with that. I worked really hard. I didn't expect that. And we can talk about later how I, I made peace with that and the effect that had on my life. Because ultimately, I think it was it was good. But going through it, that was that was really hard. I, I think I think the way you said that is perfect because it applies to so many situations in life where when you're living it, you're like, this is hell. I hate it. I want to get out. And then you might look back on it. I'm not saying this is true for everything because some experiences are truly toxic. But, um, you know, in this particular case, down the line, you look back on it, you're like, wow, I am who I am because of that. And I'm able to do the things that I do today because of that is kind of how I um, pulled away from that too. But um, like you said, you, you were definitely under the gun a little bit more than the rest of us. I mean, I will say between you and I, it was probably the most of the, most of the um, (laughs) disciplinary action was probably directed towards that direction. Yeah. Um, But it was definitely more you than me. So that is a fact for sure. I still remember the one day where I just was like, I don't know what the hell is even going on. And it was the French horns played something well. And the rehearsal was stopped. And he was just like, why can't you play this as good as they did? I was like, I don't even have that in my part. What are you talking about? He's like, they have more testosterone than you do. And they were, they were all. And, and I was just like this guy. And so I was like, what? And, and I think that was also the rehearsal where I played something and he was like, okay, you played that good. The rest of your section played it bad. You have to yell at him, tell him to play it harder. And I was like, guys, play it harder. He's like, yell at him, swear at him. They play it louder, damn it. I was like, I was like embarrassed. I was like, play it louder, damn it. He was like, mean it. And I was like, play it louder, damn it. And then I guess they played it better because I didn't have to deal with that again. But that was an intense rehearsal. And I was just... Totally thrown for a loop. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I think I remember that rehearsal exactly. You know, he really did like to do that. He would like to put you, especially if you were a section leader, he'd like to put you on the spot. And he knows it was someone in the section that did it, but he'll be like, that's your section, handle them. Like, get it done, you know? Um, and it was a kind of a double-edged sword because it, it put pressure on you in the moment a lot because these are your peers. Sometimes they're people older than you. And, and also you're just you're you're like 15 to 18 years old right you're you're a kid yeah you know yeah and you're out here just just yelling like he 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 essentially wants you to like be the drill sergeant for your section um yeah and yeah so in the moment a ton of pressure but am i a better leader because of it oh hell yes um i mean it is I mean, there there were so many people that came in and out of the session um, for, for for between symphonic band and jazz band, but like, I I know for a fact there were times that there were people in the session who a probably didn't like me at all. I, I wasn't fun to be around in band, especially when we were gearing up for 
um, like one of the competitions, like one of the jazz competitions, I wasn't fun because I was an asshole. Like I would, I would be mean to you. If you played something wrong and I heard it, I would tell you like to your face in front of the, the rest of the section. I would be, and, and realizing that now it's like, wow, I didn't mean to be like that. But I think is that we've got a kind of a mixed bag of how this affected us. Um, I, I think we can dive into that a little bit if you want to. Sure. Yeah. So definitely an old school uh, we, we were definitely, uh, let me, let me, let me say this again. He definitely had an old school management style. It was yeah. a lot like the, you know, the whiplash movie, um, at the high school level. I, we also had the pressure of playing his last show ever. And I remember we played festival variations, which is oh. to this day, one of the <laughs> hardest songs that I've ever played. Yeah. I remember that. Absolutely yeah. ridiculously just, just hit, challenging. Just hit so on much that, fun. Just hit on that a little bit more so people understand. He 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 was retiring from the district after like forty something years, maybe more. Our junior and, year. Our junior year, and we were playing his farewell concert. So go ahead, you can you can dive into that a bit. And so the pre- like alumni were coming back, every people for like decades, alumni for decades are coming back everybody's here to see the last show for this guy. And he decides I'm going out with the biggest bang possible I'm to pick some of the hardest songs. You know, this isn't, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean stuff that you know a lot of high schools were playing. This is like straight up hard. I, I don't know if I heard college groups at the college that I went to play stuff this hard ever. Uh, it was it was challenging <laughs> challenging yeah. music time is constantly changing the key is constantly changing and it's only hard keys and you've got to go out there and rip it in front of literally all these alumni uh, who all hold this program in high esteem and this is it there's nothing else after that and he made sure that we knew that so <laughs> you know it, yeah. was, it was looking back though that was really fun I, I like having I like performing under well and i think honestly that probably comes from playing in that band under this director yeah definitely 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 um so let's i guess since we've kind of hit on the experience and how it was let's let's go into kind of what it how it you know what it meant for us later on in life and uh the reason i really wanted to have you on and talk about this is because we had hit on it you know, a couple of days ago when we were catching up on a phone call and it really made sense to me because it was something I hadn't even really thought about in a while, but the way that you articulated it really hit home and kind of made sense to me as well. Um, but essentially the way that um, we, the way that we, the, the environment that we had for this and the way that we were kind of molded into it and we existed in that um, kind of dynamic, I feel like never in my life after that point, has anyone expected anything from me to that level? No one's ever put pressure on me like that. And no one's ever said, you know what, here's an almost impossible task, but you better deliver 110%. And there is no backup plan. So you go ahead and elaborate on that. Oh, it, it took me years, I expected that would just keep going. So we had such high expectations for us every time we walked in that room, high expectations. And then I left and I minored in music and I'm studying music right now again. 
and I, I went to, a, I got a television and film communication degree and I expected the, just in, in a lot of things, you know, working jobs, individual artistic pursuits, um, classes, I expected those levels of expectation to still be there. And it turns out that not a lot of people really care. So what I found, it took me a long time to figure out what to do from that point moving forward. Yeah. And so, and so what I had to do was after years, literally I realized that even though it was really tough to go through and I, I might not have agreed with the way that it was done, what I was left with ultimately was a good thing, which was this kind of like voice in my head that just was like, you have to ex expect these good things. Someone has to do it. Otherwise there's something missing. Like someone has to expect that if you care about this, you're going to work really hard to do it. And once you realize that no one else is going to expect that for you, you realize that the person who's going to fill that void is going to be you and you only. And coming to that realization kind of takes, you have to have that experience first, I think, of someone expecting something of you, and then that's gone. But you still have to decide whether or not you want that to be a part of your life. And I think, you know, we're both hardworking dudes who, who want to be good at what we do and what we like to do. And then you have to realize that that voice is now you. And then you have to follow up on that and make it happen. And that's challenging. It, I mean, challenging is, is putting it lightly, I think, because I, because of that environment, I won't say that caused it, but because of that, I mean, it's not even that environment. It's just going from that and, and just being a high schooler in general, right? Because in high school, there's this idea that if I work hard, like I do my work when I get home and I, I pad my resume and I, you know, all the, all the bullshit that we do in high school. Yeah. Take your APs, right. return somewhere. Right. Do, do all of that. Check your boxes. Then life is good to you. You get into a good school. You are considered, you know, like smart by your peers. You're, you, you, uh, you are lauded by your teachers, whatever, however you want to see it. Th those things happen as a direct result of that. So coupled with the, the environment that we had with music, where we were constantly put under pressure with these expectations, and just being a high schooler in general, I think I left with a very skewed understanding of the world. <laughs> <laughs> that, absolutely. I, I pretty much just thought that, okay, the rest of my life is going to work this way. I'll work really hard and do all the, the shit that I need to and check my boxes, and then good things will just happen. Like and you will also be magically fulfilled with yes, all of them. And, and, I'll feel, and I'll feel just as good as I do right now. And none of those things are true. And I, I could go back 10, 15 years or whatever and tell myself, that's, that's the only thing I would tell myself. Every other mistake I've made since the age of 15 to now when I'm 26, I, I can live with those. They were learning experiences. I gained something from them. I am who I am because of that. The only thing that I tell myself is... There is no sense of fulfillment until you put the pressure on yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. And you might think like your family expects things about you and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, 100%. That's true. There are always going to be people close to you that put expectations on you. But they're not, they're not hard. And especially if it's people that love you, they're never going to put you under that kind of pressure. They'll just want good for you. And it's not the same. You need to put yourself under the pressure and you need to kind of give yourself the drive because there is no way that there's no way that you can go from someone who functioned in that environment 
to be and to be to to go to nothing and still kind of achieve that sense of fulfillment that you had before. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, uh, that was the confident Vishal I know and love and miss so much. I have plenty of mistakes where I would go back and, and tell myself, <laughs> to, you know, to do something different. Um, so, but I guess that's life still learning mistakes. Um, but you're not, I, you're not living life. If you're not, if you're not fucking up a little bit, that's of, all I'm of, course, say. of course, but anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I go back and I look at is one of the things he used to tell us was if you mess up once, that's innocence. If you didn't know, you didn't know that's innocence. If you mess up again and you knew about it and you're still messing up, that's ignorance. And I think that can kind of be applied to what you just said. There are going to be people like your family, your friends who know you and love you and want like good for you. But that would be maybe a little different than, okay, I I messed up this once. I now have to get it right. I have to do it well and I have to move forward from it and let that be the new standard uh, with every single thing that I learn and let it keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between wanting good, I think for someone and wanting great for someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember, so it's funny that you said that, you know, the, the confident Michelle, I mean, I, I think that I, um, it was something that I used to love about myself that I was so confident to the point of arrogance, probably. And it definitely needed to be curved and tapered down. <laughs> maybe just, maybe yeah. just a little. It definitely, I mean, I, I it's know. Part like, of why, it's part of why I love you. I mean, and I get it, but uh, the, the humbling experiences that life had for me were quite extensive. And so I will say this, and it's very much tied to what we're talking about. I will say this. When I had those experiences where life really did humble me, I, I honestly lost a lot of the confidence for a, a while. And it was, it was jarring. Um, and uh, a lot of it had to do with school. Like, I won't uh, try and, uh, you know, speak around that. It, a lot of it was school. Uh, I did not. So, Okay. We had these we had these huge competitions that we would go to, nerve wracking as hell, whatever. But I don't get nervous. Like I, it's not something that ever happened for me. No matter oh, yeah. how big the test was, <laughs> no matter how many people I was playing in front of, no matter what it was that I was playing, I just don't get nervous. I don't feel that. And then I started to get nervous because med school was kicking my ass. The fear was, was creeping in. Oh, yeah. And it was a lot of fear, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of a lot of imposter syndrome, because I had never thought maybe I don't belong here. Like, maybe this isn't for me. That, had, that was never a thought that occurred to me. And then it did. And it was horrible. And I, I remember having this distinct uh, this distinct memory of like it was just a really, really shitty day. Like a lot of stuff was going wrong. Um, and I had I think I had just done pretty poorly on an exam or something. And there was a bunch of other stuff in the background as well. But I remember thinking, and this is so pathetic to say it now, but I remember thinking like, man, I want to move home. So like my mom makes me do my work. Like I was like, <laughs> I was like what the hell? <laughs> and, but, but having that kind of thought made me realize that what I was missing was someone expecting me to do well, someone putting pressure on me to be great. And it wasn't that the greatness wasn't there. I just needed, I needed to, I needed the fire under my ass, if that makes sense. And even though it still took me a while to kind of 
gain back who I am as like a person coupled with all the conf- the confidence and, you know, my wonderful personality will say, no, I'm just kidding. But, Beautiful. but, but, but gaining that confidence <laughs> back, um, it, it started there. It started with that realization. That's what it was that I needed to essentially go ahead and light a fire under my own ass because no one else was going to do it for me. And I think right there is probably the the best takeaway that we got from that experience, which is, you know, we all have to go through, I think, to come out on the other side stronger, yeah. go through dark times like that and hard periods. But you had that tool in your toolkit from going through that where you knew what it was to have expectations of yourself. And you then were able to put it together and just realize you were the one who had to light the fire moving forward. Right. And so going forward, you know, that's something that I'm going to take with me. And anytime I'm like, I'm coaching kids, whether it's like sports or musician or any, anything with my peers, you know, where I, I'm playing with people or I'm working with people, whether it's content or music, you know, I have really high expectations and I, I want to see that fire lit, but then I also want to help them get to a place where if it's something they want in their life to realize that that's what they have to do for themselves too, you know? Yeah. I think I was missing that when I was younger. So as a, as a leader, when I was younger, I think that I think that was a significant portion of my leadership quality that was that I needed to work on and that was missing from from that period in time because as I was saying like as a section leader I was probably an asshole like I I, I guarantee you there there we could you know bring on any number of people that were in the section with me and be like hey how did what did you think of Vishal you know uh, when we were in high school as your section leader oh he he was an asshole yeah sure I I, <laughs> I get that and I'm sure and I'm sure that's like how I came off and I think it stems from not understanding that as much as I wanted to drive them and like take them with me on this journey that I was on to like and and it wasn't a journey that I was on by myself it was a journey to literally meet the expectations of our band director because like that was it that was that was what that was what we needed to do and that was what I wanted to do because I was like I mean he needs me to do it we're gonna do it there was no other option and I didn't realize I couldn't drag them with me I I didn't I and now that I, and now I can look back and kind of say as, as much enthusiasm as I could have shown to them about how I wanted it done until they had that actualization for themselves, it wasn't going to happen. So I think now for both of us, I want to ask you a question. We're both in our mid twenties here. Um, I think this has two effects on us moving forward. And one is how we deal with ourselves and one is how we deal with other people. So I want to ask you how this is going to affect you moving forward, both when you have to teach somebody something or work with somebody on something and how it's going to affect you as a person, how you like what you're taking from it right now. Okay. So, I mean, individually, I think we can, uh, I think we can relate back to what we've been talking about. It's that it's, it's the realization that everything in this life that you want to do, that that's worth working towards whatever you want to achieve it has to come from you the drive comes from you the motivation comes from you and there are so for me like i i mean my the like my brain is adhd adult man like i don't know how else to say it oh same but but it's just i have to do weird things to to find that motivation or keep myself motivated um, I'm a big list guy now. It helps me a ton. 
if I didn't have lists in my phone, I would probably be a much less productive human being. And I've, I've embraced the fact that my attention span is short. So rather than blocking out two to three hours a day for one task, I'll do seven tasks in one day for 45 minutes apiece. So by the end of the fourth day, I've completed seven things rather than working on one thing at a time. And so you work around it. You figure out how to do life and it'll work for you. But my biggest takeaway individually is that I need to drive myself. And any time that I feel that creeping sense of a lack of fulfillment or I, I feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough or there's, there's, there's an itch and I can't get rid of it, I, I think back to this and I look back to that and I'll, I'll, I'll realize that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm slacking off on something or I'm not putting 100% into something. And that's, that's just like me, my body, my mind, whatever, telling me that. Um, as for how I deal with people, I think this is a much bigger realization for me um, because uh, I think that before my very arrogant self didn't, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna save myself from uh, harsh criticism. I, I would think that I was God's <laughs> gift to you. Like that was my, that was my <laughs> outlook. And you know, it was such just a terrible way to be, but I find myself really consciously um, making the effort to learn something, anything from anybody that I run across. So even if it's a chance meeting with a random individual, or if it's someone that's new in my life that I'm getting to know, whatever, doesn't matter. I, I, I make the, conscious effort to be like, what's something that you can teach me? Um, and uh, I think that's huge for me because it has turned what would have, what I would have maybe considered prior as meaningless encounters into quite meaningful encounters. Um, and as far as my impact on them, I don't go into it like, oh, hey, here's something that I can teach you about or here's something I can tell you about because Part of, part of that was my problem before the arrogance that I know more so I can teach you something. No. So I kind of got rid of that. And it's more about just being enthusiastic about what interests me or what gets me going. And if that enthusiasm rubs off on you and causes a reaction where you are then kind of interested, or it causes you to um, be interested in other things, whatever it might be, I'm fulfilled with that because uh, it's just, it's a, it's an uh, exchange of energy type thing for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Like I'd rather impart the enthusiasm than anything else. Absolutely. I will turn the question to you now. Cause I'm very curious to hear what you want to say. Well, for starters, for me as another fellow clinically diagnosed ADHD haver, um, you know, and that's its own separate conversation. But what mm -hmm. I ultimately realized was that what that meant for me was that I either really cared about the things that I was doing or I didn't care about them at all. And so I kind of realized that what I, I was going to have to do in life if I wanted to be happy was go for the things that I like to do and find ways to make it happen. And so that's tough when what you like to do is music and try to work in entertainment and do content and, you know, other artistic stuff. But ultimately you know, I made, I've made my peace with that and I'm, I'm happy with that. But what I will say is that, you know, living out here in LA, I've been a Hollywood television assistant, I, which is insanely tough. If you've ever heard stories about that, I've worked at a startup out here 
and gone through the whole startup life working out of someone's kitchen. And, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes, but the one thing that I, I don't think ever happened was that when people thought they were going to get to me, they were never really able to. Like when I had a, a boss who thought he was going to be able to kind of wear me down or, you know, other people couldn't handle him, but I was able to, it, I w- would look back and I'd, I'd just be like, yo, you have no idea what, I, what, I've, what I've gone through in a very specific experience. None of you will ever, ever be able to touch me. And so ultimately going through all that insecurity in high school and, and, and loving what I was doing, but getting constantly put to the test every single day, you know, that kind of gave me a little bit of a self-defense shield that uh, down the road a couple of years later came really in handy. And so I'm really glad that I've got that. And it has absolutely worked, uh, especially working in, you know, a tough industry and a tough town out here definitely has worked. And then absolutely. I'll say the other thing is, you know, having those expectations for other people. I think when I see that it's a pursuit that someone cares about, because you can't make everybody care about everything. It'll never happen. Mm-hmm. And people hate being told what to do. But when you see that it's somebody who cares about something and you see that there's a way that you can help them push, you know, to the next level, however far you can help them go. I think that I've taken the lessons in terms of, you know, I'll, I'll help them with whatever technical knowledge they need to know that I can help them with. But then I think the one thing that I would do differently is that I would try to impart that urgency, but maybe do it without any sort of pressure, per, or... pers- not pressure, but without any, you know, personal, personal insult or attacks, I guess, for lack of a better word. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And what I want to say at the end of all of this here is, and this is going to make me really emotional. I've thought about, I, I've thought about writing this letter for a long time, but you know, if the person who is our, our director here, if they ever, you know, get their ears on this and they ever take the time to listen, you know, I know that I've tough and it's had a, I, I definitely, you know, I'm on a, a different, I think, vibe than this person in terms of just how I would go about life. But I think at the end, we wanted the same thing. And I think at the, at the end, I'm getting, I'm getting a little teared up. The end is, <laughs> yeah, you're making me tear up too, but yeah. The, the thing that I would want to say is, is thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I got from that, you know, even, even learning how to disagree with somebody, that's something that's a life skill. But what I really got from it, it was, it was a toughness that I didn't have and expectations that I had that maybe weren't paired with, you know, an urgency or a drive to do it or a, a belief that I could actually do, I could, I could do them by like seeing it happen. And that will stay with me for the rest of my life. And I will be eternally grateful for that. I mean, I have no idea if he's ever going to hear this, but I hope he does. And if he doesn't, I still 1000% think that you should write that letter and let him know because you guys 
had quite the tumultuous relationship. I, I, I mean, and he even said it to you. I'm fairly sure on that last night. I, I, I'm, I'm, if I remember correctly, he said it to you. He said it to all of us that as hard and tough as he was on all of us, it just came from knowing that you could do it. So I absolutely think that both of you wanted the same thing. Yeah. And that's a lesson that you maybe, I'm sure he knew, but you know, for us, that takes some time to, to sink in. We were just like 16 or 17 and we were, had just gone through the gauntlet there. Yeah. Um, it and took 10 years. Also had no idea how to, I, I still work hard on trying to know how to handle, you know, my feelings as we all do, but I absolutely had no idea how to handle my, you know, I was super raw. Like I, 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 I didn't hold anything back in terms of how I was feeling. I was either, I would be really upset. Um, but looking forward now, you know, having, I would hope grown up a little bit since I was 16. Um, ultimately I, I was able to turn that into a really strong positive for my life moving forward. And that was an experience that I didn't get anywhere else, including places where I thought I would. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful that I, I, I got to go through it and that I had someone who expected a lot of me like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it, that wasn't like a, you know, a family member or that was someone that I was like, quote unquote, work, working for, but that was like a teacher who expected that much of me and then made it a point to let me know a lot. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's important that you said, you know, was a family member because that, like we hit on before, a family, for our family always wants the best for you, but of course, he, here's this guy that, you know, objectively was just there to, to teach us. But he, I mean, he, he did that and a lot more, I would say. And, and like you said, it wasn't a lesson that was meant to be known then. It, it took 10 years for us to even kind of hash this out and, and really, um, I guess, uh, uh, put words to what it was for us. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a lesson 10 years in the making essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was, that was probably, um, a lot of stuff and quite long. So I have some trimming and editing to do, but absolutely lots of us and ums to cut out. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was awesome, man. I actually am really, really happy that we did that. And I'm really hoping that, you know, the five people that listen to this thing um, <laughs> have some sort of takeaway for this. Just because, um, I mean, that's what, it, that's, what is, that's what it all essentially boils down to is that there was, there was this shared kind of experience that we had that has affected us both a lot and and much later into life and in the most positive way possible, to be honest. Absolutely. And I I don't think, you know, I think there's a a few people at our age level. There's no, I I feel like there's only a few of us who maybe were affected this hard by it um, or this deeply by it. I'll say who we could talk to, you know, one of our other trumpet playing friends, some of our percussion trumpet playing friends. And so it's, it's just good to be able to talk about it with somebody. Uh, yeah, especially down down the road here. Yeah, so I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course, man. You are welcome anytime. I hope we do this again. I'm sure there's more than enough life uh, events that we could discuss and hatch out. 
but it was a pleasure as always. Absolutely. Pleasure's all mine.